Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. We are going to be talking about fear today and a quick uh, recap from last week. Last week we talked about some of those fears that even follow us from our earliest childhood days of, of maybe an afternoon spent crying in a crib can translate 25, 35, 50 years later to feelings of abandonment when things really out of proportion with what's really going on nonetheless grips us in that, in that sense right in our heart where fear sometimes can take root. We talked about some of the things we can do about that. One of them is just recognizing it. When is fear out of proportion to what's really happening? Do I really need to be afraid? Is there anything that needs to be done here? Or can I simply work at dismissing that fear as not being useful and moving on? Well, today we're going to continue on that theme, and, and I was, uh, you know, it's funny, of course, I read these books uh, a, a year ahead and kind of sort them out, and of course, this couldn't be a better time on the planet, I think, to talk about fear as a reaction to some of the violence and trouble that's going on right now. And so the book has great timing. And as I was reading ahead earlier, thinking, oh my gosh, in week two, I'm going to have to talk about death disease and disruption. How fun is that going to be? And so, uh, you know, (laughs) so maybe we better start with a joke if that's our topic for today. So Lenny goes on an extended vacation and honestly has trouble finding someone to take care of his house, his cat, and to run errands for his elderly mother. Finally, finally, he gets his friend Bobby to agree. About a week later, Lenny calls him and asks, well, how's everything going? Well, Bobby hesitates for a minute and then finally has to confess, I'm sorry, your cat died. What, says Lenny? You just can't break news like that overnight. You should have done it slowly and gently. Well, as an example, the first time I called, you could have said, "Mm, your cat is up on the roof and I'm a little worried. And then the the next time I called, you would have said, "Uh, uh, there's no way really to get the cat down and it's dangerous up there. And then the third time I called, you could have said, you know, we did everything. We even got the police department here. And and I have to tell you, the cat fell and, and, uh, and we're not sure it's going to recover. And then the fourth time I called, you could have said the cat died and I would have been ready for it. Are you crazy? So Bobby apologizes and a couple more weeks go by. So Lenny calls again and says, well, how is everything? Have you had to run any errands yet for my mom? Well, there's a long silence and Bobby replies, well, she's out on the roof. So yes, we are going to be talking about death and disease and disruption today. Thich Nhat Hanh, the the author of the book that we're using this month, uh, says that oftentimes these are things that will absolutely bother us. uh, A friend of ours might uh, go into the hospital and it brings up the question of disease. Uh, We might go to uh, um, a memorial service and the thought of, well, death, someday this is going to be me. We ourselves might be faced with uh, some kind of a condition or some kind of an issue that raises the 
these, these things up to us, and they can be a source of great fear and great worry. And in fact, the, the main one, and I'll, I'll talk about these, he calls them the key remembrances, but the, the third of the key remembrances I think is even the most striking because it just simply has to do with our fear of change itself. In fact, uh, does anyone here have their life pretty much the way they'd like it to be. I bet quite a few of us have our lives pre pretty much the way we'd like it to be. We're satisfied with our job. We, we, our primary relationships are in good shape. Um, you know, wh whatever it is, our lives are moving along pretty well. Wouldn't it be nice if we could use the strongest hairspray on the planet and lock it down? <laughs> This is a huge fear for us, right? What happens if I lose the job that I really like? What happens if something happens to my partner? What happens if, uh, if suddenly, uh, uh, you know, everything from the social security system might fold to, I don't know what, there could be violence in the streets as there was in, uh, uh, in Baton Rouge today, right? These kinds of things around what if things change, what if, are the very source of worry itself. So, so let's start with the definition of worry. So worry is being afraid that something will happen. Last week we talked a little bit about things that have already happened in our lives causing fear. And this week we're going to project out into the future with that idea of future fear, which is what we call worry. Now first of all, when is worry a good thing? Well, sometimes it moves us, doesn't it? Sometimes something will happen and we're a little worried and maybe we'll call our daughter who's out after midnight and do something about it, right? Maybe our little worry about that noise that the engine in the car is making will have us actually pull into the, you know, and, and have it fixed. So worry isn't something that is bad in its in its beginning, it's actually usually a useful thing. When something comes up and brings a little fear and, and you're worried about something that may happen, often we can do something about it. And in fact, if you do something about it, the worry what? It normally dissipates. I took care of the, you know, the engine that was making the ticking noise. I verified that my daughter is, uh, you know, safely on her way home from the date she was on that just went late. I verified, you know, whatever it was I need to verify everything I need to do. And oh my gosh, the relief we feel, right? So first up, if you're worrying, is there something that actually needs to be done? Because the sooner you do it, the sooner you take action, then that dissipation of the worry takes place. Then you're, you know, there's an actual contentment. It'll feel like you finished something. You completed something. And you will have that sense of completion. But the other situation is there's nothing really to be done. Right? And don't we all have worries along those lines as well? I mean, I know a lot of the, the violence that we're seeing on in the world right now, whether it's the, um, you know, the coup that took place in Turkey, some of the violence in France, violence right here in our own country in terms of gun violence, violence both by police and against police. It's a terrible thing that we're reading in the newspaper on a daily basis. And when it comes up for us, often we feel what? helpless, right? 
And so logically, our logical brain knows, well, I'm going to vote in this election. That's going to make a difference. Maybe I'm going to join a Citizens Action Board or a Police Oversight Board, or maybe at least I'm going to check into those things. Those are things that we can do. And if you're motivated to do those things, you will feel some relief for that. You will know that you're doing your part. But I got to tell you, for 99% of us, what? There's nothing really to be done. So what do you think worry does when there's nothing to be done about it? Check in with your doctors. Check in with your naturopaths. You are putting yourself at huge risk for tension and stress-related diseases. It's the stuff of heart attacks, it's the stuff of strokes, it's the stuff that over time will will, uh, uh, hasten uh, diabetes. It's like you name it, the stress-related disease. Guess what the number, well, I've already given it away, I guess, haven't I? The number one reason in America for people seeking out medical care is related to stress. Number one, it's not any of the other things you might imagine. It's stress-related diseases and syndromes. That is because we worry when there's nothing to be done. So what Thich Nhat Hanh says, and this of course is from the Buddhist perspective, is that there are three key remembrances. And these will sound a little on the harsh side. So, you know, like put your seatbelts on here for a second. And they're called remembrances because we don't get through life without them. And the first one, guess what it is? It's death. And so if you are worried about death, What is the point? Right? Now, I'm not advocating we should hasten it. Don't don't get me wrong there. But if worries come up, especially maybe as you get older or maybe as you see a friend go through a, a terrible situation, maybe you go to a memorial and those thoughts come up for you. Well, if there's something to be done, well, then do it. But I don't think there's anything that can be done with the eventuality of your transition from this physical plane into whatever comes next. And so to worry about that is the very essence of kind of stress-related craziness. And so whatever you can do to, uh, to change that, to, to get out of the rut. Well, in fact, what is worry when it keeps going on and on and on and on? Is anyone familiar with the word rumination? Right. It's an actual psychological term that means, well, among other things, it means you're in big trouble because you're stuck on that mental squirrel cage of worry. And you start, you start escalating the worry in your own head. Oh my gosh, I'm not feeling well today. What if it's a cold? Or you know what? Maybe it's that flu that's going around. Oh my gosh, if I have that flu with my immune system the way it is, I'll be sick for weeks. And if I'm sick for weeks, I'm going to miss work. And if I miss one more day at work, they're going to fire me. They hate me already. Do you see where the squirrel cage goes? Before long, you might as well just call in sick, right? (laughs) Because that's the state you have worried yourself into. So first up, if you find yourself worrying when there isn't a good reason, some actionable thing that can happen, first up, 
Stop the squirrel cage. Whatever you can do. And you know, the simpler the better. Go to a movie with a friend. Get your mind literally off of it. Distract yourself. Read a good book. Watch old reruns of Ellen. You know, whatever, whatever. <laughs> you know, tune into Oprah's Super Soul Sunday. It's like what whatever it takes to to just really interrupt that cycle of worry. And it doesn't even matter what it is, the important thing is interrupting it. Then the next thing that Thich Nhat Hanh says to do about these ideas, uh, what he calls the key remembrances, is to actually allow yourself to sit with them. Yes, someday I will die. I need to be at peace with that. I need to accept that. Maybe I even need to plan for that. What do I want my end days to be like? Have I prepared what I would like my memorial service to be like? What should I do to make that event go more easily for the people I love? Are my affairs in good order? Now you might say, this is ghoulish talking. You know, I'm years away from that. And yet, if it's up for you, if in any way it is up for you, then the timing is right. The timing is right to actually look at the eventuality and say, yes, I can accept that. And although I may not be able to control the fact of it, I can control a lot of the things around it. I can give my input into how I want the end to be. And through that process of accepting it and participating in it, you can come to great peace with it. And the same is true with disease. You know, as, as many people get older, uh, well, let me, let me state it the reverse way. How many people do you know that were healthy their entire life right up till the night they went to bed and woke up dead the next day? <laughs> right? Like, like perfect health right until death. Uh, the only one I know, and I know a lot of people, was one of my great-grandmothers, lived to be 103, and other than arthritis, she died in her sleep. But I gotta tell you, that is not the path that, that we are gonna follow. There are gonna be some things that disrupt, that's another one of those Ds, death and disease and disruption. There are going to be some things that disrupt our life. And if we fight them, if we actively try to say, this doesn't exist, I'm, I'm not going to be getting any older. I'm not going to suffer from whatever it is. Well, well we are resisting a course of life itself. And when that happens, when we worry about that, when that plays into our fears, we're right back in that boat of actually making things worse instead of better. Now, from the science of mind perspective, so far I've been talking about the Buddhist tradition, really. From the science of mind perspective, what I know is you have to start from where you are. And so if you've got something going on in your life that is uh, bringing fear up for you, that fear is a real thing. So you may have some kind of a condition. There may be issues in your life causing you pain. We are not to avoid it. We accept it and we claim what it is we want to experience. So another way out of the squirrel cage of worry is put the same amount of energy into visualizing your life the way you want it to be. 
put the same amount of energy perhaps into prayer around how life could be. Maybe you want to write some affirmations out on what the perfect new job would be like if you're fearful of losing the job you're in. Maybe you would like to uh, meet with a practitioner and have a session to discuss an, an ideal relationship if, if you're, the relationship you're in right now is giving you stress and worry, right? So instead of putting the energy on the negative side, put the same amount of time and attention and care into highlighting what you wish to experience in life and begin claiming that. So even as you look around and, and absolutely accept your life as it is, you are planning for the life you desire. So I want to use a kind of a real, real world example of something that was going on for me. Uh, so a week ago, I went to see the, the chiropractor. I was kind of like, you know, tied up in here. And, and uh, the chiropractor, my chiropractor is like a miracle. He does a, a great job. And like after a couple <gasps> crun crunches later, I was going, oh, wow, that feels so much better. And he said, yeah, and you might want to have a doctor check out that mole on your back. He says, you know, we're not trained to really diagnose cancer, um, but I got to tell you, you know, I see enough people's backs in here um, that we're trained to question when we see a mole that looks like that mole. So you need to get in to see your doctor. So I go home from the chiropractor feeling better, I guess, <laughs> right? Okay, so you can imagine it brings up the fear of what? The fear of disease and death for me, right? If any of you know me very well, you would know that my best friend of 40 years, Tilly, died of melanoma last year. And so, like, that's totally up for me. I mean, I saw what the progression of, uh, of her life was like, and so I began thinking about this. Well, first of all, what do we do when we're experiencing worry and fear. We take action. I called the doctor's office, made the appointment. Now, the bad news there is I get in in two months. <laughs> Literally, the dermatologists are backed up for two months. So what am I going to do for the next two months? <laughs> Pray. What I'm not going to do is worry about it. What would worry produce in me? right? It's apt to bring about the very kinds of conditions that I'm wishing to avoid. So we do the distraction, right? We think about the wonderful life that we're living in this exact moment, right? Am I healthy right now? Absolutely. Look at me, right? Am I feeling great about where I am and what I'm doing right now? I defy you to tell me anything other than I'm having a fabulous day today and it's getting better with each passing moment. We owe it to ourselves to put aside worry, to put aside fear that has no purpose anymore. So it had an initial purpose. It got me to make the phone call. And when I got home last night, do you know what I did? I blessed and loved up my family. I blessed and loved up my family because that is the truth of who and what I am 
in that moment. And today, I'm blessing and loving up you all because that is the truth of who and what I am right now. Thich Nhat Hanh would say the key to all worry in releasing it is to live right now. Worry is future-oriented. Worry is, I'm fearful that something is going to happen. I'm fearful that my daughter won't come home tonight when she's late from a date. I'm fearful that I will lose the job. I'm fearful that in the future I may have an untimely death. I'm fearful that in the future, you know, something bad is going to happen. But you, right now, are healthy are lovable, are capable, are complete. You, right now, are in a beautiful place full of people that love and are ready to love. And when we focus on the right now, the possibilities of the future fade into the background. Now, this is the key to the Buddhist philosophy, and that's why he calls those worries about death and uh, disease and disruption key remembrances, because anytime we're dwelling on those things, they're not the truth of who and what you are in this moment. In this moment, despite whatever condition we're in, right? We're all on the path to our eventual end, right? It's the eternal condition of being on the way out. (laughs) And yet in this present moment, we're perfect. We're exactly doing what we alone can do individually in this moment. It's the essence of Buddhist teaching, and I would say it can be the essence of our understanding of how we can live a life that is relatively worry-free. All right, so I want to do just the, the quickest little review here. So first of all, any rumination, we do our utmost simply to stop it. Ruminating is never good. That's when the squirrel cage is going and we can't seem to stop ourselves from worrying about things that are outside usually of our control. If there's something to be done, we do it, and as quickly as we can do it, the better the feeling and the the quicker the feeling of relief. I scheduled the doctor. That's all I need to do in this moment. I, you know, I did whatever I needed to. I called the police because I was feeling threatened in this moment. Now I just need to wait until they get here, until this situation is... So, So if there is something that needs to be done, you take care of it. If there is nothing to be done, then what needs to be taken care of is the worry and the fear. We we do what we need to do to honor our life just as it is. In fact, Thich Nhat Hanh suggests that we talk to our fear. Dear fear of death, I know that one day I will die and I know that that can be a peaceful event. I allow myself to have that sense of loss right now and just to feel the feelings that are coming up for me. I'm at peace with knowing there will be an end to this bodily existence someday. It brings up fear, yes, and I can be at peace with it, yes. And the same thing for things that might be going on at work that would, uh, that would uh, take you in a direction you don't want to go. There might be other disruptions in your life 
what's going on right in the now, we accept it, we bless it, we try to find the good in it, and we plan for the better future. All right, can you imagine what your homework might be today? Some of you are thinking, oh, holy hell, just let me out of here. Um, and, uh, and, that <laughs> and that would be okay, too, of course. Uh, but I would like to make a little suggestion. So, so how many of us are self-admitted worriers? Do we have any? Okay, so we do have a few people in the audience that, that, that do some worry. Okay, so this homework then is in particular for you examine your worry in terms of these remembrances. And is there actually something to be done? So, so if the uh, recent police shootings, for instance, it's up for so many people as it should be. If you are going to do something, if you're going to join maybe a review board, if you're going to read up on it, and uh, you know, then do those things. And if not, let us end the worry let us go within and accept that the world is the way the world is, even as we're praying for the better world, even as we are holding firm in the truth that there is good to be had on this planet and it will be ours to see. So make sense? So homework is to evaluate the worry to see if there's really anything to be done. If not, we shut down the squirrel cage. We shut down the squirrel cage. Whether it means meeting with a practitioner, whether it means going to see a silly movie, whether it means, you know, writing letters to friends, whether it means working out in the yard, distracting yourself with a hobby, going bowling for the first time in 25 years, right? Do something different. Do something to get yourselves out of the squirrel cage. All right. I'm going to close today with a prayer, of course, and also a reading from Thich Nhat Hanh. He says, the fear of aging, the fear of illness, the fear of death itself, the fear of having to let go, the fear of the consequences of our actions, all of these are there in our consciousness. If we don't want to face our fear, or if we try to cover it up, if we try to keep it down there in the cellar, we will suffer. We don't like it when somebody or something reminds us. We don't want it slowing itself in our consciousness. But we must actually invite these things up into our consciousness to be healed. We can tell them, my dear, I am afraid of you, but I'm not afraid of the consequences. It is my nature to grow old. I cannot escape death. It is for me to experience ultimately. Being embraced like this with kindness and acceptance, all of our fears can eventually lose their strength. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence, one life, one goodness. There is but this one thing, and I call it God, but whether you think of it as the, the divine feminine, whether you embrace it as the, the universe and its purity and creative power, regardless of what name it has, it is simply all there is. And so that does include death. It does include every eventuality for us, neither bad nor good, just part of life, part of God. And so on this day, for myself, I claim an acceptance of all of life the good, the questionable, the things that affect me negatively, I accept it all even as I praise my life moving forward, 
even as I hold in my own heart a promise of love and joy and life to come, I acknowledge where I am, what I fear right now, and allow it to be. And so for the folks in this room, for the folks within the hearing of my voice, I know that they too have the power to examine our lives, to see if there is something to be done prompted by our fear, and if not, to allow that fear to dissipate, allow it to flow into that nothingness from which it came. And for this I'm grateful. For this I acknowledge that God is all-powerful. For this, gratitude wells up in my heart. And so I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law. I release it into that God that is affirming the goodness, the life, and the love of the universe. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you're here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.